You're listening to the Trace Church Rock Rimmon podcast. All right, good morning, Trace. How we doing this morning? We on? Good, good. There we are. How we doing? How we doing? Come on, wake up. Let me show, show me you like to be here. Show me you want to be here. Awesome. Good to see you guys. Hey, I'm going to be communicating this more. We're going to be communicating this more, but you're going to be the first to hear it. Uh, from this point forward, as you guys come in, we are going to continue to encourage you to wear these masks. But once you get in your seat, almost kind of like a restaurant, uh, feel free to take them off if you want to, unless you know you have bad breath and keep them on for the sake of your neighbor. Uh, but we would encourage you to do whatever's comfortable, but just know that we are going to be communicating that once you get to your seats. Uh, feel free to take them off if you would like. Sound good? Well, hey, uh, my name is Aaron, if you're new here, and I'm one of the pastors here and incredibly grateful to uh, be a part of the team that's here. We got away this past week up in the mountains, and it was awesome, and I'm just reminded every time I'm away with our team how grateful I am to get to be a part of it. Uh, One of the things that's been happening in my family right now is we've been navigating through a lot of change, just like you have, and uh, if you're anything like us, school, right? I mean, even though like summer, It's kind of coming to an end, and we're ready to kind of get back to school. I think we've got like three or four more weeks on the calendar of summer, but summer's coming to an end. We're kind of wrapping up our vacations and getting ready to get the kids back to school, kind of, right? And so uh, our family's been navigating the chaos of getting kids back to school. We just found out this past week after they already determined that our our middle schooler, I'm I'm going to have a middle schooler, guys. Can we just say a prayer for me right now? Can we just stop and pray? Um... But, uh, yeah, we thought she was going back to school, and then they, they sent out an email this week. And it's like, hey, we're going all online. And so now we're, we're in that period where it's like, okay, we've got to make adjustments. We've got to figure this out. And then we've got elementary kids that are going to be going full-time. So I say all of that because if that is your story at all and you have kids, we want to be helpful. We were determined from the very beginning of this pandemic that as a church we want to be as helpful as possible. And so tonight we're doing something. We're hosting a forum called School at home, And what we're going to do is we're going to have some people up here on this stage that have been doing homeschooling uh, the majority of their life. And they're not here to convince you to homeschool. They just understand that a lot of you are going to have to do this this summer, including us. And so they want to offer some helpful hints. we got an incredible panel of people, we really do, that are going to offer incredible insights for you. And so if you are interested in that, it's going to be at 630 tonight here. And all we need you to do is register, register so we have an idea of how many people are coming. Uh, the best way to do that is through our app. That's the best way to stay connected at Trace. And so if you haven't downloaded our app, the Trace app, you can do that and register that way. And also feel free to bring your kids. If you feel like your kid is old enough that would benefit from this, feel free to do that as well. And invite people to come. This is not just a Trace event. Uh, we really do want to be helpful to our community in any way and every way we can. So we invite you to do that. Well, today we're kicking off a new three-week series called In stability. And this past week in preparation for this particular series, uh, I asked a question to a lot of people. And the question was, what is the first thing that comes to mind when you hear the word instability? And I heard things like unsafe and faulty, like a faulty foundation, unpredictable, a mental breakdown, a broken down building or a building that's kind of wavering and swaying. I heard the word uncertain and not dependable. I don't know about you, but when I think of instability, for whatever reason, my mind went to this game show. And I don't know if you've ever seen the game show Wipeout, uh, but it is a ridiculous obstacle course that people have to go through where they're constantly on unstable surfaces, and they just get like hit in the face with random things. And so if you like to watch people suffer like I do, that sounds horrible, uh, but you might enjoy this show. I mean, it is truly fantastic. But when it comes to our life, I don't think any of us, ever set out to have instability as a part of our story, did we? 
I don't think any of us like aimed our life for instability. If anything, it was something that we intentionally tried to avoid. I'm pretty sure if you were to ever ask a kid, hey, you know, little Timmy, what do you want to do when you grow up? I'm pretty sure you're never going to hear the answer. You know what? I want an unstable job career. That's what I want. It's not something that we aim for. But nonetheless, that's where many of our lives end up. In some capacity, in some way, we start to experience instability and things aren't as certain as we thought. I mean, we really don't even need to look any further than this pandemic, do we? This pandemic has dealt a hand of great levels of ambiguity and uncertainty. We could probably say that this pandemic has been a plague to the stability of our lives. Yeah, we don't aim for it, and if anything, we try to avoid it, but nonetheless, for many of our lives, this is where we end up. But none of us want instability in our relationships. We don't want instability in our jobs, in our kids, in our marriages. We don't want to have an unstable faith. And so what we try to do is we try to build our lives and live our lives to actually be in stability. That we would rather live in stability, not instability, but living in stability. And even though the aim of our life is often in this direction, um, I think many of us slowly start to drift at times. Our lives get caught up in this current, I'm going to talk about this today, where we get kind of caught up and we get kind of vacuumed into this process and this way of living where maybe it's just a little compromise here or there, or maybe it's just not an intentional process like I talked about a few weeks ago, and all of a sudden the footing, our footing doesn't feel as solid as it once did. I could illustrate it this way. Think about an earthquake or maybe a hurricane, and sometimes when these things happen in different areas, that different buildings are shaken so violently that afterwards they have to be reinforced. There has to be kind of some kind of support system to keep it from completely collapsing, but you know as well as I do that not all support systems are created or treated equally. Uh, I've been to Haiti before where there's been a lot of earthquakes, and if you go to Haiti, you'll find buildings like this where after an earthquake, some guys just find some boards, whatever they can get their hands on, and they just kind of prop them up against the building to make sure that it doesn't collapse. And maybe this is kind of represents your life, my life at times, where we know it's like, hey, I'll just kind of put something around my life, right? Maybe it's surfaced friendships, or maybe it's some kind of self, a way of self-medicating, and those things offer maybe a little bit of stability for you, but you know that if your life were to take on any more stress, kind of like this building, that it's not going to hold. It will collapse. But then you have people like structural engineers who study this stuff, and when they find out that there's a problem within a building, maybe after a hurricane or an earthquake, like they have been educated and put an intentional plan in place and come and kind of survey the building and understand what kind of support system that particular building needs so that it can be reinforced until, you know, the right people can come behind and maybe re-emphasize or re, um, you know, restructure the foundation. Not all structures and not all supports are created equal. So let me ask you a question. What's holding you up? What's holding you up? When life shakes you to the point of instability, when the circumstances around your life bring great amounts of uncertainty and even greater amounts of ambiguity, what holds you up? 
when he or she didn't turn out to be who you thought they were. When the doctor uttered the words, it is cancer. When you got the phone call, but on the other end of the phone call, you were receiving information that you really couldn't process. When they weren't faithful. When you lost the job. When that situation didn't turn out like you hoped it would. In those moments, what holds you up? What do you lean on for support? How do you live in those moments towards building a life of stability? I want to suggest to you today that I believe one of the greatest support systems or maybe one of the greatest support structures of our life can be built around this word right here. Wisdom. Several years ago, I read a book by Annie Stanley called Just Ask It. And the big idea behind this book centered around one question, a question that Andy said and believed would bring great clarity in life's most challenging decisions, and I would agree with him. And isn't that where, where so many of us are, are at right now? I mean, let's be honest. So many, so many of us are at a point where we have to make these really big decisions, but with maybe the greatest amounts of uncertainty that we've ever lived in, maybe. And so if there were some kind of process, if there was some kind of question that we could ask that would allow us to bring clarity in the midst of our uncertainty, wouldn't it be wise to ask that question? And speaking of wisdom, that's what this actual question centers around. What is the wise thing to do? This is a question. If you've been around Trace for any amount of time, you know that I use this a lot. If I've ever, if I've ever like sat down with you to counsel you or coach you in some regard, I'd probably have used this question in, in some capacity. What is the wise thing to do? And it makes sense, doesn't it? But we don't use it very often. Some of us don't ask this question, or maybe some of us would say we don't even like this question because oftentimes we already know the answer. We just don't like the answer. Instead of allowing wisdom to be our guide, sometimes we just allow our preferences to be our guide. We allow our emotions to dictate and determine where we want to go. Or maybe you allow them, whoever them is, he or she or they, you allow them to speak too much into your life to make, you know, to, to make you feel like you're guided in the direction they want you to go, but you know it's not where God wants you to go. Or if we're honest, again, maybe some of us would say we just kind of opt out or opt in for the easiest decision. But just because it's easy, usually, let me say that differently, just because it's easy probably means it's not wise. But pursuing wisdom and asking what the wise thing to do is, that takes grit. Let me take that a step further. When we invite God into our mind, into our decision-making process, not only do I believe we will live in more wisdom, but you will live with fewer regrets. Would anybody like to live with fewer regrets? This past week, as I mentioned earlier, I got to take our team up in the mountains, and we went up there, and we're doing some planning, and uh, we had read a book together, and uh, one of the exercises that I took them through is something that I call listening prayer. And so I asked them, and I'll define it for you really quick. It's like, hey, I want you to get away uh, to a solitary place somewhere around here, up in the trees or around this cabin we were at. And I want you to take some time, and I don't want you to read your Bible. I don't want you to sing songs or listen to worship music or pray or ask God for anything. I simply want you to sit in silence and tell God that the agenda is his and invite him to navigate your thoughts. 
Invite him to navigate your thoughts and to just simply ask God, is there something that I've been missing? Because personally speaking, I think God is constantly trying to get messages through to us, but it's the chaos and sometimes the pace of our life that keeps us from being able to hear what he's trying to get through. And just some solitude, you'd be surprised what God will bring to your attention. Now, I've said this before, but I've never heard the voice of God audibly, but I'll just say, God, would you, would you guide my thoughts? God, what am I missing what am I missing and what is it that you need me to think about that I've maybe been dismissing? And he shared several things with me when I did this the other day. I wish I did this more often and I really, really don't, I don't want to act like I'm more spiritual than I am. I don't do it as often as I would like. And some of the things that I think he surfaced in my mind, they're personal and I'll keep those to myself. But there are a few things that I would share with you. The first thing was, Aaron, I'm always here. And to some extent, I just needed to be reminded of that and hear that. To be reminded that at the end of the day, I'm just one of God's kids. <laughs> and he's always here. Maybe that was worth the price of admission for you today. I don't know what you're going through, but God's always there. He's always here. Especially when you've given him your life, when you've asked him to be the leader and lord of your life, submitting your life over to him. He's always, he's always here. But then God really quickly took my mind to something else. Aaron, I'm always here, but I'm not always here. And immediately I was convicted. Because in a time of uncertainty and great levels of ambiguity as a leader of a church, I'm not inviting God into a lot of my decision-making processes. I'm not inviting him to navigate my thoughts. I'm not inviting wisdom to be my guide. I'm just kind of allowing my, my own volition and sometimes selfish ambition to be my guide. During a time of great uncertainty and ambiguity, I think the Bible would call that foolish. <laughs> Aaron, I'm here. But I'm not always here. James actually speaks to this directly in James 1. He says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave. I want you to hold that thought. I'm going to come back to that, that metaphor. As unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord for their loyalty is divided between God and the world. Maybe we know God is here, but we aren't allowing him here. And they are unstable. Everybody say unstable. They are unstable in everything, you, everything they do. You know what that describes really well? My younger life. When I was young, uh, I never had a problem believing in Jesus. I never had a problem accepting that if God created all of this, he probably had an intentional plan behind it. And his intentional plan, I believe, was sending his son into the world to die for the sins of all mankind. And uh, he was put in a grave after dying a, an excruciating death on a Roman, you know, a Roman crucifixion, a Roman cross. And he walked out of that grave. And because he walked out of that grave, he defeated death. And that means my sins can be forgiven. I never had a problem believing in any of that. My problem was living the way that God wanted me to live. My loyalty was divided. Sometimes I would go to Christian camp. My mom did her best to kind of keep us raised up in the church. And I'd go to Christian camp and I'd have that Christian high and I would be convicted. And I knew that God had a greater purpose for me than I was often living when I went back and kind of was living around 
you know, my day-to-day life and my friends and the kind of friends I was choosing and all of that stuff. And so over here, I was deeply convicted in these environments. And then when I'd come away from camp or come away from church and I'd be put in these environments, I just really quickly was caught up in this current of pursuing my own selfish ambitions and my sinful desires. And my, long, my younger life could easily be wrapped up with the metaphor of being a wave, blown and tossed by the wind. Maybe that represents your life at some point. Maybe it represents your life right now. This past summer, um, I got to take my kids and my family to the beach, and I was thinking of this when I was listening and thinking about this metaphor that James uses about this wave blown and tossed by the wind. And one of the things uh, I was thinking through when it comes to, to waves, they're not just blown and tossed by the wind, and that's not what makes them unsettled alone. They're also uh, affected by the currents that are underneath the water that you can't see. And the currents underneath the water also make the waves very unsettled. And so I was thinking about this trip. I got to take my kids to the beach. And this was our first trip to the beach where it was just us. We've been with extended family before. And we get to the beach. And, and I was looking. You know, the first thing we want to do is get the kids to the ocean. And it's like, well, let's run up to the ocean. Let them run in the water. And we get there. And I'm noticing. I'm like, man, the waves are pretty big. And I look. And I see, oh, there's a red flag out, which means, you know, it's dangerous. But to me, that means go buy some boogie boards. It's going to be awesome. And so... I went and bought some boogie boards for me and my two older kids, and we get out in the water, and really quick, I find out why there's a red flag out. Uh, the undertow was very strong, and so I had to take a moment and educate my kids. It's like, hey, let me tell you, you feel that force on your legs? You feel that force that's trying to pull you in a direction? And they're like, yeah, and I'm like, that's called the undertow, and you got to be really careful with it. Now, uh, lucky for us, it wasn't pulling us out. It was pulling us down the side of the beach. And uh, yeah, as you can imagine, with two younger kids, it didn't take very long. And I think it was about an hour after we were there, I looked down. They're like 100 yards down the beach. And so I got to run down and grab them. And I'm like, okay, let's start from where it's scratchy. You know, it's called the undertow, and it's going to pull you away. Uh, we had a great time, but it was, it was also a great lesson. Church, if you want to live in wisdom... It will require you to not only be aware of the underlying currents, but you need to have a plan to fight it. Because if you don't, it will take you away. There's a current, and when we feel the current, if we know it's there, it's only, it's only part of it to know it's there, but you're going to have to dig your footing in, and you're going to have to fight the current because if you don't, it will take you away. And let's be honest, like the current can be fun. I mean, dry, riding in the process of riding the current can be fun. And if just in case I've taken this metaphor too far, can I just let you know we're not really talking about the current anymore. We're talking about the sin in our life. And sin can be really fun. Like if you're not having fun when you're sinning, you're probably doing it wrong. But sooner or later, the process leads you to a destination. And when we get to the destination by being drawn away by the current, we think to ourselves, how did I ever allow myself to get here? And then the next thing we might think is, and how do I get back? And we have an enemy, a real enemy, that wants to convince you that you can't. Oh, you've been riding this current for too long. You've been avoiding wisdom for way too long. You're not going to be able to get back to where you were. You're stuck. But your Heavenly Father knew that I would and He knew that you would at times probably be carried away by a current. 
and he had a plan. Paul speaks directly into this when he writes to the Roman church, and he says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior in the customs of this world. Can I say it again? Don't copy the behavior in customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Did you catch it? You see, God said, I can transform you into a new person no matter how far you've drifted, no longer, no matter how long you've been riding the current and being pulled away by the current, no matter how long you haven't allowed wisdom to be your guide, I can still bring transformation into your life if you will change the way that you think. You know what he's saying there? Don't just let Jesus live here. Let Jesus live here. Yeah, we know, right? I believe, I believe with all my heart that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and I accept Him as my personal Lord and Savior, and He comes and He takes residence in our life, and He lives in our heart, but that doesn't mean He automatically gets to live in our minds. That's up to you. Inviting Him into your thoughts, inviting Him into navigating the ambiguity and the uncertainty of your life, asking Him to lead you with wisdom. When you do that, God says you can be transformed. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then, everybody say then. Then you will learn how to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And isn't that where so many of us land after we've drifted and after we've been caught up in the current for so long? God, what is your purpose for my life. I get to do this all the time and I love helping people find their purpose, but it also brings me great heartache of how many people that I talk to that have been following Jesus for so long and they're still they're still confused about what it looks like to live within the will of God, to live out the purposes of God and it's not because they're not trying hard enough, it's because they're not allowing God to just live here but also to live here, inviting him to navigate all the big, big decisions of your life. God is this wisdom, and although I may not want to do it, although I don't like the answer, although I see three easier answers that I could jump onto quickly, I know this is the wise thing to do. And friends, when you live in wisdom, not only will you become a wiser person, but you'll become the kind of person, if you keep asking that question, what is the wise thing to do and answer it correctly? What is the wise thing to do and answer it correctly? Yes, you'll become a person of wisdom, but listen to me, this is huge. You will also become a support beam for someone else when their life feels unstable. Would anybody like to live a life where you're figuring out how to stabilize your footing by living in wisdom so that you can be strong for someone else when their life is unstable? I do. Living in wisdom will always illuminate God's will. And so many of us struggle throughout our life trying to figure out, God, what is your purpose for my life? And I really do believe there is so much clarity on the other side of living in wisdom. Let me show you one more thing that Paul says. In Ephesians 5, he says, be careful then how you live. 
not as unwise, but as wise. In other words, he's saying you have a choice. Like you have a choice. God's not going to force you to do anything that, he, that you don't want to do. And so you can choose to live as unwise or as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. There it is again. Wisdom illuminates God's will. Wisdom illuminates God's will. But I want to I want to hone in on something that Paul said there. He said, making the most of every opportunity. If you've been coming to Trace for any amount of time, you know that you've heard me say this. Don't let a good hard season go to waste. If you're not having a hard season right now, bless you. Uh, just don't tell the rest of us because we'll hate you secretly. But we're, we're in a hard season. So what would it look like to make the most of every opportunity? What would it look like to not allow this, this good hard season go to waste? I think maybe one of the best ways that we could take advantage of this opportunity is not just to allow Jesus to live here, but to invite him to live here. All the time. Guys, maybe for you that means allowing Jesus to capture your thoughts more quickly when they go in a lustful direction. Maybe it's uh, selfishness. Maybe it's, um, yeah, just personal selfish ambition where it's like, but this is what I want to do. And you start to lose sight of other people and how those decisions will affect other people. Not just allowing Jesus to live here, but allowing him to live here. I think that's how we take advantage of this opportunity. Maybe unlike any other time of your life, because if you're anything like me, and most of us are like the rest of us, you're being faced with big decisions, but a lot of uncertainty. And so what if we invited God to lead us and guide us, and not just live here, but to live here, to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Jesus? I'm going to pray for us, and then I want to take some time, and I'm going to lead us through something that I hope is incredibly valuable uh, for your life today on this particular subject. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for how clear uh, you make things. And Father, we, I think we, we would all admit that sometimes we know exactly what the wise thing to do is. We just choose not to do it. But if that's the course of our life, it's, if that's the current or the flow that we want to go with, then we shouldn't be surprised when we end up in places of foolishness, when we end up in places of greater uncertainty, because we just haven't allowed wisdom to be our guide. But I believe all of that can change today. You tell us through your word that it can change today, that if we will stop allowing the world and the current of this culture to pull us in its direction, but instead with everything in us move in the direction of Christ that our minds and our thoughts can begin to change and we can be transformed. That's what I want. God, that's what I want for every person in here, especially as they're facing greater levels of uncertainty but have big decisions to make. And so, God, we want to invite you into this moment right now. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to uh, take a moment and lead us through a time of what I call listening prayer. And if that sounds too super spiritual for you, you can just call it solitude because that's what it is. We're going to have some solitude and time with God right now. One of the things that I feel like God has impressed on me here recently as the leader of this church is, and somebody was asking me this, uh, they were like, hey, what do you feel like was the biggest thing, your biggest takeaway of what the Lord gave you during your study leave? Because I was gone for about four weeks and 
I said, I think it was that my disposition as a leader right now, specifically a leader over a church, is incredibly important. My disposition. In other words, I mean, I can get up here and preach on Sunday and then we go out and we kind of do our own thing or I can try to become a little bit more intentional in making sure that we're actually following through on what the Holy Spirit wants us to do. And one of the things that I'm becoming less and less interested in is getting up here and preaching a sermon on Sunday and us just going out and living the same way. And so what I want to do right now is I want I want you to invite, I'm going to lead us in this time, but I want you to invite God. And again, no prayer. We're not going to sing for a bit. We're just going to invite God to navigate our thoughts. God, take my thoughts where you want them to go. And again, I've never heard the voice of God audibly. God, just take my thoughts where you want them to go. God, what am I missing? What am I not seeing? Where am I potentially even compartmentalizing my faith, allowing you to be a part of this area of my life, but maybe not this area of my life? God, what would it look like if we invited you to to navigate our thoughts consistently that we would, before we'd ever make a big decision, our first question would be, what is the wise thing to do? And no matter how much we don't like the answer, God, that we would follow through with it. I believe all of us want to become people of wisdom. All of us want to become a support beam for someone else's life when their life feels so unstable. And so right now, I just want to invite you, Holy Spirit, to allow this to become a thin space. And although this is going to be new for a lot of people, Father, I pray that you remind them that you are always here. And because you're always here, I believe there's something that you want to say to us, and I believe you want us to free up some room in our minds for you to live, to allow us to process our thoughts differently, to make big decisions on the other side of the question, what is the wise thing to do? And so, God, we invite you now just to guide our thoughts, take them where you want them to go. And if you want to keep your eyes closed right now and I'm going to give you an extended amount of time, but as you feel comfortable after you've spent some time with the Lord, uh, feel free if you're a follower of Jesus to get up at any time and go around the room and celebrate in what we call communion by taking that little wafer that represents the broken body of Jesus and taking that cup of juice that represents his blood and remembering that because he walked out of a tomb for you and defeated death, that transformation is now available to you today. And so after you spend some time with God in this, inviting him to navigate your thoughts, get up at any point in time and celebrate with communion, and the worship team is going to come up and lead us through one more song.